Well, hopefully by now you have found Titus chapter 2 and verse 1. And I'm going to ask if you're physically able to do so, that you would stand with me as we honor the reading of God's holy and written word. Titus chapter 2, uh, beginning, in, uh, beginning in verse uh, uh, verse 1, going through verse 1, only verse 1 this morning. Hear the word of the Lord that is given to us this morning. But, but speak ye the things which become sound doctrine. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us, guide us, direct us now in our, in our time in the Word. May you be exalted and glorified in this time, we pray. Uh, God, we are thankful for, uh, for all that have been able to come out this morning. We ask now that we would submit to your Word uh, with great humility and great um, admiration and worship for who you are and what you have done for us in Christ. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. Um, so we've we've departed a little bit from our normal way of preaching, which is preaching through a book. Um, generally, I finished up First Samuel. We'll we'll go back into a book here in the next couple of weeks. But for now, I just thought it's important for us to look at a couple of characteristics of just what a good, solid, healthy church looks like. Not not that I worry about us, but I think it is good for us, as Paul would say. Um, to the churches that it's 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 uh, it's not burdensome for him to to the church at Philippi it's not burdensome for him to to remind them of the things that they need to be reminded of and I think the next couple of weeks last couple of weeks and now the next few weeks I think is good for us to think through I mean what does it look like for us to be a healthy vibrant good uh, solid sound biblical church right what, what is it what does it look like for us and so last week we, we actually examined Second uh, Timothy chapter three uh, and chapter four as we looked at the importance of expositional preaching and the importance of being committed to that. And this morning, what I wanted to do in from Titus chapter two is just show you the importance and the necessity of being grounded at, because we are grounded in the Word. What what comes out of that, and that is good, sound biblical theology. I read while I was preparing for this, uh, I actually was uh, uh, sent a story uh, that I thought would be pertinent to, to us, I think that reminds us. Um, the story a friend of mine sent to me was about a guy who survived a hurricane while he was actually um, out, uh, out fishing. And in the story, uh, the man um, had been told that if he had ever been caught out fishing, uh, the one thing that he would need to do uh, would be to go to deeper waters, throw off four anchors, and, and just pray that the anchors held and that the storm would pass. And he, the, the story went uh, that, uh, as I read, that the man did exactly that, and he, in fact, survived the hurricane, which I, I thought was rather, rather interesting. I don't know if it's a true story or not. I, maybe it is, maybe it's not. But I think it is true for us that as, as, we, as we think about biblical theology, right, we need to understand that, that good, sound doctrine, biblical theology acts as those anchors that help us wade through and think through what it, what it looks like for us to, uh, to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, particularly in a day and age when I mean, everywhere you look, it's like, well, you know, so-and-so, are de they're deconstructing their faith. I, I don't even know what that means, but that's, that's what they're doing, right? They're deconstructing. Usually that means they're apostatizing. I mean, let's just be honest, right? They don't want to believe biblical doctrine, so they're just, oh, you know, well, I don't want to believe that. I don't want to be shackled to that, so let's just abandon the faith. 
Um, certainly, it, it don't mean to to uh, uh, you know to to be too hard on people who have serious doubts or, or real doubts. But but in a day and age when it seems like the cool thing to deconstruct your faith and 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 you don't know if you actually believe what the Bible says anymore, I think I think it's important for us to realize that 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 good biblical doctrine is important. I heard of a Presbyterian church. Um, that uh, on their church sign, and this is one of the reasons why I hate church signs, by the way. If you know anything about me, you know that I, I detest church signs because most of them are usually just really bad, right? And, and this one is, none, is, is, is no different. Um, it just simply said, as a Presbyterian church, it said, Love God, love others, and the rest is doctrine. The rest is doctrine. Well, besides being an absolutely horrid sign, it's horrible theology. It's horrible theology. Everything we believe from the moment that you and I say, I believe Jesus, is theology. It is doctrine. It is doctrine. The moment that you say, I believe in Jesus Christ, you are making a statement about what you believe. And I know a lot of people say, but I'm, I'm not a theologian. And usually what people mean by that is, well, I didn't go to school. Like, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a, I'm not a professor. But, you know, that's really a wrong way of thinking about things because you are, I am, we all are, whether or not we've ever been to Bible college and seminary and everything else, we are all theologians. Every one of us are. Every one of us is a theologian. Every one of us have beliefs about God. As a matter of fact, a matter of fact, if you go talk to the average person on the street and you say, hey, hey, man, what do you believe about God? They're going to have a theology. They're going to tell you now. Most of the time, their theology is going to be really, 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 really bad. Right? Most of the time, their theology is going to be really bad, right? Um, but sometimes you might run into somebody who has some really good theology, but everybody has a, has a system of theology. Everybody has a way of looking at life. Even if they say, well, I, 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 don't, I, I don't believe the Bible. Well, there you go. That's a, that's a theology. That's a way of looking at the world. And everybody has a, has a way and a view of, about what they believe about God. And it's interesting that John Bunyan, who wrote the classic Pilgrim's Progress, he wrote this on the cover of his Bible. And I think this is pertinent for us. Either this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. That's right. It will. Either sin will keep us from Scripture and from the teaching of Scripture, right? Or the Scripture will keep us from sin. And so it's important for us to think through, like, what does it mean for us to have good biblical theology, good Bible theology. Because honestly, I mean, I mean, as you look at the landscape of, of Christianity, there's a lot of things. Uh, and one of the things that, that, that we, we desperately see is that there's some really bad theology that has come into the local church, uh, into the church just in general, some bad theology. So what I want us to do is I want us to think through together from this text uh, and, and some other texts, I want us to think through what it, what it looks like for us to have, what it is and what it looks like for us to have really good biblical theology. So let's start by asking the question, hey, what is biblical theology? What, what do we mean by that, right? Well, biblical theology, when I say that, you could also maybe interpret that of just hearing me say sound doctrine, right? Biblical doctrine. All it is, in, in, in truth, is simply teaching that is derived from the Word of God alone. In other words, here, here is, here's what we believe, okay? All right. Sola Scriptura. 
That is that the scripture alone teaches us everything we need to know. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have needs for, for the historic uh, confessions and creeds and other things like that. But, but in the end, right, at the end of the day, um, what our allegiance is to is to Scripture and the teaching of Scripture. And in saying that, then, what we have to say is that any biblical theology that we have must have a high view of the Bible, we must have a high view of the Bible. In other words, I don't come to the Bible and I don't, I don't get to frolic, frolic through the lilies, right? And just say, well, I like this doctrine and I don't like that doctrine and I like this teaching, but I don't like that teaching. We, we take the, the entire thing as a God's people and we say, okay, so this is God's word to us. What do, what do we do with this? How, how, how does this apply to us? Like God has spoken. He has spoken authoritatively. Like there, there's no question God has spoken and he has spoken authoritatively. So how are we supposed to respond to this? Well, in reality, then biblical theology, right, it does also, as I said, it does have great um, uh, affinity for the historic statements throughout history that the, that the church throughout history has affirmed. And, and we do have great respect for those because we need to understand, like, we're not the first ones to wrestle, right? We're not the first ones to wrestle with this doctrine or that doctrine. We're not the first ones to wrestle or have to think through this or, or that. Um, and, and it's so funny um, you know, when, when people say, well, you know, if God's all powerful, you know, can he make a rock so big that he, he, uh, he can't move? I mean, as if that's a gotcha question, right? As if, as if the church has never had to think through and be challenged by things like that historically. And so we recognize that historically, we, we understand the historical development and movement of, of biblical doctrine and the fact that we're not the first, we're not the first generation to struggle with things, we're not the first generation to have to answer questions. And so we have a, a great, we have a great uh, love for, for those that have gone before us and have struggled with this and have worked through this and have, have taught on this and, and grasp, grappled with this and we learn from them and, and, and we, we understand that we aren't the first and we certainly won't be the last. But biblical theology or, or again, if you want to call it sound doctrine, is concerned with not just what uh, isn't concerned with, uh, it's, it's primarily not concerned with, with application. Uh, that's, that, that is important, but it's not primarily what, what the first question is. The first question is, what did the author mean by this? So when I'm reading the Bible, guys, the question that I need to be asking is not, hey, what does this mean to me? I don't care what it means to you, and, I tr and trust me, you don't care what it means to me. What we need to know is what the author intended for us to know and learn. It's called authorial intent, and this is important, that as we read, what did the, what did the writer mean when the Spirit of God moved him along to write these things, and what did the audience, what did those whom, to whom the, the apostle was writing to, what did they understand this? Because we need to understand that it's not about what you or I think it means. Because there's only one interpretation of truth. And that is truth. And that is the true interpretation. So we need to get back to what the author meant by this. And so we need to understand that biblical theology is important to the church or inside the local church. 
Because, I mean, I mean, think about this, right? So to be saved, to become a Christian, is to be added to the church. To be baptized is to be baptized into the body of Christ. To have faith in Christ brings us into a relationship with God, but not only just with God, but with one another, right? So, so the moment that, that we repent and believe the gospel, God didn't just make us right with him. He didn't just impute his, the righteousness of Christ onto us. But he also reconciled us together, right? He reconciled us together. And this is why any ideology that would separate God's people is a danger and a threat. So if we, if we as the church of Jesus Christ, love the gospel, we, we are committed to the gospel, right? We've already been reconciled to Christ, Right? We don't worry about what class, what group you're from, what, what, what's going on in your life. Like We've been reconciled in Christ. Right? We don't, I don't have to ask you what your experience is. I don't care. Right? I, I, I mean, obviously I care as, your, as a pastor, right? But, but I don't care in the standpoint of you, your, what your standpoint is looking at Scripture. It doesn't matter. We need to know what the Bible says because we've been reconciled together in Christ. And we aren't divided. We're not to be superficially divided by class or race or ethnicity or anything like that because we are reconciled in Christ. And so faith in Christ brings us into a relationship with God and with God's people. And to call on God and to obey God as Father, right, means that as Christians, we are together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Like we are, we are in the world. We're out moving for the glory of God in all things. And so what, what is, so when I say biblical doctrine, what, what do we mean? Well, I mean two different things. First, there are things that make us Christians, and then there are things that make us Baptists, right? So I, I want to be clear on this. So what are, the, what are the distinguishing marks that make us Christians? Well, for instance, we believe as, as Christians in the belief, uh, we believe in the inerrancy and the infallibility, the sufficiency of, of the scriptures. We, we believe in the Godhead, the Trinity, right? We believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man. We believe that, that Jesus, the God-man, died willingly as a substitutionary atonement upon the cross of Christ for all who would repent and believe the gospel. We believe that Jesus was physically and bodily resurrected, ascended to heaven, and will return for his people. And we believe, ultimately, as Christians, that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, period. That's what makes us Christians. Now, there are some secondary doctrines uh, and I use the word secondary not in the sense of, of importance, but there are doctrines then that make us Baptists. So, for instance, uh, unlike our Presbyterian brothers and sisters in Christ, um, we believe that baptism is to only be by immersion, and it is only to be uh, through those who have professed faith in Christ. We believe as, then as, as, as those who, who would, say, would claim the moniker of Baptist, then that the church only grows through evangelism. Right, as important as it is to have families, and I would even say big families, um, evangelism is the is the method through which um, uh, we we people are people are brought into the church. We believe that church membership is composed only of persons who have been born again. We believe in things like religious freedom. We believe in congregational government under the the the, uh, the uh, lordship of Christ, the autonomy of the local church and voluntary cooperation among churches for various reasons and causes. So, so, this, so 
my point is this, guys, we need to understand that there are, so that, that we, there are things that make us Christians, and then there are things that make us Baptists, and we don't need to confuse the two things. As important as both of these are, right, they're not, they're, um, you can get the second, you can get the second list wrong and still be saved. You can be wrong, you'll be wrong, but you'll be saved. And then there are characteristics, then, of of biblical doctrine. So what are some of the characteristics then of this of this biblical doctrine that Paul tells Timothy or tells Titus, excuse me, here in Titus chapter 2 verse 1 when he says, "But you speak, right? You speak the things which become sound doctrine or sound teaching, right? Sound biblical doctrine." Like what 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 does he mean by that? What are the characteristics? Well, anytime you hear a pastor or anyone preaching the Bible, right, or hearing, hearing them preach, here's a couple of things that you need to hear every single time. Are you ready? Okay. One, does this preaching, does this teaching accord with what the apostles taught? In other words, does it align with the Bible? Does it align with the Bible? Is the teaching founded upon the words of Christ? Does it establish a pattern of life that leads to holiness? Is it something that has been entrusted to believers, or, or I'm sorry, uh, we, are to, we are to constantly be reminded that it is something that has been entrusted to believers to guard and, persevere and preserve. And the, the teaching, the preaching should always be used as a way to evaluate the health of a church and the church. Now listen, you can have an unhealthy church and a healthy pastor, but you can never have a healthy church and an unhealthy pastor or pastors, right, board of, board of pastors, council of pastors, elders, whatever. Because as the leaders go and as the word, if the word is not being taught, you are going, the church is going to suffer. It is going to suffer. And this is the importance of understanding the results then of biblical doctrine. If we truly believe that the, the teachings of scripture, then it's going to result in a couple of different things. It's going to result in, 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 in love from a pure conscience and a sincere faith, as Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. And ultimately, as we read last week, that it is the, it is the Scriptures that lead to salvation. Right? It teaches, the, the Scriptures teach the entire corpus of what it means to be a believer, a Christian. It teaches man's absolute depravity. It teaches um, God's grace. It teaches Christ's coming and to save sinners. It teaches that the only way of salvation is by repenting and believing in this Jesus Christ, the God-man who came and died for our sins. Right? Like, like this, is, this is what we are to be focused on. It leads to life and it leads to love and it leads to faith. And when pastors are committed to rightly teaching sound doctrine, they are, they are commended by God and don't have a need to be ashamed. And that's what Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Right, He is to break the word of God down in such a way that he is to be a good workman and he's not to be ashamed in any way, shape, or form. But let me tell you this too, and this is the importance of having good, solid, godly pastors, right? is that as you look back earlier in Titus chapter 1, go back with me here earlier in Titus chapter 1. In Titus chapter 1, listen to what it says beginning in verse, in verse 9, okay? It says, holding fast, so this is talking about the, the, the pastors, what pastors are supposed to do. So let's start in verse 7. 
for a bishop, that is a, it's a, another name for a pastor because a bishop is a role of a, of, a, of a pastor or an elder, must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, right? That's not being a drunkard, uh, not, no striker, or that's uh, not violent, not giving to, to uh, as, the, as the King James says here, filthy lucre, or that is uh, uh, dishonest gain, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate or disciplined, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers or the, the op, those that oppose. Listen to this. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies, or, or that would be lazy gluttons. And so, <clears throat> brothers and sisters, one of the reasons why the, the church should care is because there is so much false theology and bad teaching in the world. This is why we should care about Scripture. This is why we need to love the Bible. This is why we need to love sound doctrine. This is why we need to give ourselves to the teaching of Scripture so that, so that, uh, that it silences false teachers and it prevents spiritual disaster that false teaching brings into a local congregation. And we'd say, but that could never happen. But, but listen, when Paul, was, when Paul was addressing the church at Ephesus in Acts, what did he say to them? Did he say, I know you're a bunch of good guys and you love the scriptures and you love God and therefore nothing bad's ever going to happen? No, 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 that's not what he says. He says, I have taught you everything you need to know. And yes, you are faithful men. However, I know that after my departure, there are going to come men who are savage wolves, who will seek to make and wreak havoc upon the flock. This is why we need to guard ourselves, even from the best teachers and pastors, making sure that what they're teaching and preaching is Scripture and is the Bible. Right? This is the importance of biblical theology. Because in the end, there are some characteristics here of false teaching and the results, then, of false teaching. False teaching is always going to contradict biblical teaching doctrine and biblical teaching it's always going to contradict the words of jesus right it's it's not going to it's it's going to be insubordinate to to the word of god and and to god himself i i will never forget as a small boy watching my dad like labor week in and week out in a pulpit right preach and preach and preach and i was standing back at the door with my dad one day and I'll never forget an older lady who came up to my dad and said, I know that what you said today was straight from the word of God, but, and her next words were, I just don't think I can follow that. Interesting, isn't it? And I'll never forget that as a small boy, as a small child standing there with my dad at the back of the church, hearing someone make that statement. But yet, truthfully, I mean, we would say that if we're not careful. We can say that without ever saying that, right? Well, I know God's word says that, but in reality, I'm just going to do this. Or I'm just going to live this way without, 
with, with, with incomplete pride and arrogance. And that's, that's what, Jude, that's what, that's what uh, Jude wrote to the church. And he says that this is, what, this is what they are. They're meaningless talkers. They deceive and they're prideful and they're arrogant in verse 16. And as a result of all of this, then, here's, here's what happens. We get, into, we get into places like great speculation. We get into pride and conceitedness. We get into, actually, Titus even says here in Titus chapter 1, verse 11, that, what does he say? Whose mouths must be stopped to subvert whole houses. In other words, literally overthrow entire houses, destroy entire homes through false teaching. And it greatly harms the church. It greatly harms the church. And, and so biblical theology, my brothers and sisters, really does matter. Sound doctrine really does matter. Because understand, God wrote a book. And, and, and this is why we are committed, as I said last week, to exposition, expositional preaching. It's because you don't need me to tell you and read you some nice stories and tell you some nice stories and then we're just done right and making you feel good and make you make you just do whatever you know make you make you give you the warm fuzzies or even even stomp on your toes so to speak right what you need what what i need is the pure unadulterated word of god that's what we need that's what we must submit to you don't need me to go on a rant Right? You don't need me to go on rants and ravings and everything else. You need me and every pastor who will stand behind this pulpit. You need us to preach the pure, unadulterated Word of God. You don't need to, you don't need to know what or, 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 or speculate after the things we may speculate on. You need to know the Bible. You need to know Scripture. Because in the end, what biblical theology does is it roots our doctrine in something bigger than ourselves. Right. So, so here's what I mean by that. So if you ask the average person, hey, why do you live your life the way you do? The average person is probably going to tell you, well, because I, I want to be a good neighbor. I want to be a good friend. I want to be a good whatever. By what standard? Because you want to be a good person? Well, what may, what, I mean, what if somebody comes along and says, well, that's not what being a good person is, Right? Well, being a good person means I do this or that. Well, well, whose standard are you going to use? Are you going to use an objective standard or are you going to use the standard of a scripture? Are you going to use, are you going to use some subjective standard? Well, this is what I think it means to be a good neighbor. It's what I think it means to, 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 to be a good person, right? And so you're just sort of meandering your way, sort of filling your way through life. It's like, well, I think this is what it is, but I'm not really sure. Again, we have to ask ourselves, what standard are we using? Because if the answer isn't objective truth, we're in trouble. We're in great danger. We're in great danger. And this is what's wrong. I, I think by and large, this is, this, is, this is what we see in society today, is the jettisoning of, of objective standard. So when we say, well, it's, it's wrong for one nation to invade another nation. Why? Well, I, I just wouldn't want that to happen to me. Again, why? Well, I, I don't know. It just doesn't sound nice. Why? Right? What is your standard? Because if the standard is an objective, reliable truth, then the answer is always going to, you, can, you will never have the complete and total answer of why. Why? 
Why should I not do this? Why should I not look at porn? Why should I not have adult? Why should I not have adulterous uh, thoughts? Why should I not commit adultery? Why should I not do this? Why? Well, because it's just not nice. By what standard are you judging these things? And so the reality is, we need that objective moral standard that God Himself has given to us. We need that. Because God's word is the ultimate authority in a world that is increasingly individualistic and postmodern, relativistic. And I would even say that, that in understanding good Bible teaching, good Bible preaching, right, there, there, is, there, is, there is an understanding of your, your and my, our part in that story. That God has created us. Imago Dei, in the image of God, He has created us. And He has called us through the gospel, through the gospel of His dear beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to repent and believe and to be reconciled to Him and then live our lives for His glory, for His honor, in everything that we do and say. Biblical doctrine, biblical theology, also gives us a deeper and fuller understanding of who God is. It also protects us from rants and ravings and eisegesis of the, pa- of the pastor or the pastors. It also gives us a foundation, and underpinning, that we will be able to discern truth. We'll be able to navigate the minefields of the world. We'll be able to endure in our faith through, through and despite opposition. And it also helps us to accurately teach others. Moms, dads, it, help, it gives you the foundation from which you're able to teach your children or your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren. It helps you and I disciple that next generation. It causes us to see the glory of God as we teach these biblical truths to the hearts and the minds of these young children. And it helps us to accurately teach others. But even, even having said all of that, my brothers and sisters, it causes us to become and act more like Christ. It causes us to look and act more like Jesus Christ. We need to know this is what the Bible says. This is what Scripture says. This is what, this is what I need to know. This is what you need to know. This is what we need to know as a local body, as a local church, because we want to glorify God in the, in the things that we believe, in the way that we act. Because listen to this, doctrine determines action. We're saying, well, that's not true. Yes, let me tell you something. Your doctrine, whether it's Christian or not, always determines the actions that you take. It always does. And this is why biblical doctrine is so important. Biblical theology is so important. Because a church that is committed to thus says the Lord will be committed to following through and doing everything for the glory of God, reaching their community for Christ. They're called to, to engage their community, right? We're not, listen, so, so and I brought this up on Wednesday night. Um, there, there, there is a great story, right? So, so right now, there, there is a great movement among, uh, and you may not know this, and may not even care, but I, I'll tell you anyways, okay? So just count this free, okay? Um, you, you get this for free. Um, there is a movement within Christianity that, uh, that's following a, a, a gentleman uh, by the name of Rod Dreher, which is more of the idea that he, he calls the, um, uh, the, uh, uh, the basically um, 
go and, and you, you, uh, you, you basically create these small Christian communities and then you just live in them and you just wait for the storm to pass by of the world who hates us and then we can emerge finally from our cocoons and then we can engage the world, right? And that, that's one thought, but I don't think that's biblical. That's not a biblical thought. The second thought is that of, of the Boniface uh, movement, which is um, St. Boniface was a, was a man who was, uh, um, was very passionate about the gospel. Uh, he went and he preached the gospel to the, the, the Nordic, uh, the, the northern tribes, the Germanic tribes in the north, and what we would call Vikings. And he, uh, upon doing this, he came upon uh, the, uh, uh, the, the tree that, uh, for, for our purposes, I'll just simply call Thor's tree, right? He comes and he, he comes, to, comes to this tree, and, and they believed sincerely that, that, uh, that anybody who touched this tree was going to die immediately, just like that. So St. Boniface, after preaching and preaching and preaching and having very little impact, decides, you know what, I've had enough. And so he grabs an axe in the middle of town, in the middle of daylight, and he begins to chop the tree down. And for the next few hours, the entire community begins to gather around and watch as this guy who they thought was going to die for chopping this tree down, even touching this tree, they watch as he chops their tree down. Removing the idol, flooding the community with the gospel, and challenging their idols. Brothers and sisters, we are called to challenge the world with the gospel of Christ. We're not called to sit back and, 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 and disengage. We're called to engage with the gospel in a world that is secular and a world that is highly relativistic and a world that's highly individualistic. We are called to engage, but we can't do that unless we have a good, solid foundation from which we do that. Right? We can't do that unless we have a good, solid foundation. We need a good, solid foundation, and that is biblical doctrine, biblical theology. So my prayer this morning is that you and I, as God's people, would be committed to the theology of Christ, to the Word of God, that it is sufficient. Because so many churches say they believe the Bible, and yet then they go out and they act as if they don't believe that it's sufficient to reach people with the gospel. Let us be those who love Scripture enough that it, 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 it infects and, it, and it, it, it just exposes and it begins to, to permeate, and permeate everything we do and say that we would see people radically transformed by the gospel of Christ not because they've become good people, not because they got baptized, not because they come to church, quote-unquote, and they, they became good people, but because they have been radically transformed by Christ and the doctrine of Christ that we have in Scripture. And let me just say this, all of Scripture, the Old and the New Testaments. May this be our commitment this morning. Let's pray together. Father, our prayer this morning is that you would help us to engage our world, not in a way that withdraws and sort of hides and crouches ourselves and tries to protect ourselves, but in a way that exposes and transforms our culture through the preaching of the gospel. May we be committed to the, to the transforming work of Christ to the gospel. May we be committed to the gospel ethic, but God, not without first preaching the gospel that changes hearts and minds and lives. God, I pray that you would help us to be committed to sound biblical teaching, sound biblical theology as a church. Thank you. Thank you that in our history, as a his, the history of our church, that has been something we have been committed to. May we continue to be committed to that. May, may you cause us in the days and the years uh, that, that you have given to us, 
May we see something built here for your glory and honor, something that, 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 that expands out and reflects Christ and his kingdom. And we pray this this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.